This is the Sean Campbell Show, a podcast for the aspiring and hungry entrepreneur. Hey everybody, it's Sean Campbell with the Sean Campbell Show, a podcast by entrepreneurs and for entrepreneurs. And today I have a amazingly very, very special guest. Um, um, uh, I, I'm not, it's okay if I say you're a client, but she's turned into somebody that I really, really just admire her story and her background and the passion for what what she does and why she does it. I got Dr. Holly Honor with me today. How, how are you? I'm great. Now, I've, I've always been very casual with you. Uh-huh. Should I call you doctor? Call me Holly. Holly? Are you yeah. sure? Yeah. I was I'm thinking sure. about that the other day. No. And I was wondering if I was kind of uh, throwing myself under the bus with you. No, having initials after your name makes you no different <laughs> than anybody else. For what it's worth, you don't like act like a doctor. You act very, you act very professional and astute, but you're very approachable and easy to talk to. You laugh and you make me laugh. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Most doctors don't. <laughs> I believe that a doctor's primary role is to promote well-being. Mm-hmm. And so laughter is a part of well-being, and it's a very important part mm-hmm. of my life and my practice. Yeah. So give us, and don't have any time constraints with this, because when you and I first met, it was I, I, it was one of the steepest learning curves. With anybody I work with, i got to learn very, very quickly. But with, with you, I, had, I, I didn't, honestly, I, I didn't rush myself to learn what you do. Because it wasn't something that I could rush. So take your time. Explain what you do and why you do it. What I do and why I do it. Um, I am a palliative care doctor. I am a physician trained in internal medicine and geriatrics. The focus of my practice has um, honed itself down to... um, Connecting and being interested in working with um, the most complicated patients, the patients that allopathic medicine often fails because these are patients who um, can't be cured. You can't cure heart disease. You can't cure lung disease. These are chronic illnesses that people live with. And I believe that people should not be defined by their illness, that um, other parts of life are more important. And so with palliative care, uh, my patients tend to be medically complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, The definition of palliative care is that it's specialized medical care for people with serious illness, a serious illness is something like heart disease, emphysema, kidney disease, cirrhosis, cancer, uh, neurologic conditions such as um, dementia, ALS, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, and so forth. Wow, wow. How do you do it? How do I do it? Do you get that question often? Well, yeah. I mean, Um, not not just from a... I'm using the wrong term in a tap, and like not how do you do it when when you're there, but how do you do it emotionally? I know what you're saying. Yeah. 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 How do I not? How do I not get drained? Yeah. 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 Well, it fills me up because um, I I come to um, consultations and patient encounters 
from an attitude of, of gratitude, mm-hmm. of um, what is good about today, um, and how can I help you have a better day? Mm-hmm. Um, and so rather than focusing on um, the notion that um, having a certain diagnosis may um, shorten the time that you will be alive on this earth, mm-hmm. um, it's very important to focus on um, on living every single day as the best day it can be. So from that, I mean, is there anybody, I probably don't know anybody that lives more in the moment than you do, probably. Thank you. I mean, is that something that you, how much, how much of it, I mean, one of my biggest problems, Holly, is that I take, every, I take my work with me everywhere mm-hmm. I go. I have a hard time disconnecting. Yeah. It wasn't until recently when I started getting myself back into the gym or hiking, it was like, all right, this is more mental you know, break. The, I mean, what do you do for yourself? What do I do for You're myself? You're so busy taking care of other people. Um, I mean, is that in itself its own reward for you? It is part of its own self-reward, but I also mm. have to make sure that I'm filling myself up. Um, things that fill me back up are spending time with family and friends, mm-hmm. um, taking care of training and being loved by two little dogs. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, am a, a, a oil painter. I do plein air mm-hmm. um, outdoor landscape mm-hmm. painting. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to create things, um, projects at home. Um, with with medicine, um, at the end of a busy day, I say all I have to show for it is my death lo- desk looks like a cyclone hit it. So <laughs> I like to do things that have like tangible results, <laughs> like gardening, right, right. like home improvement yeah, projects yeah, of, yeah. of cooking food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's um, in in being a um, a solo practitioner where I'm a one-person organization, mm-hmm. I had to consider things like how do I want to handle um, incoming information, telephone calls, yeah. um, emails, and so forth. And some people will use um, services such as um, Google Business where you have a telephone line that will come into one phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I keep one phone and one computer for my practice only. Mm-hmm. And so um, when that phone gets left on the desk, mm-hmm. when that computer is shut down, mm-hmm. I'm off work. Wow. And um, sometimes work has to come into what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, as a doctor, it's part of the lifestyle to know that um, um, people in need and illness don't... Um, Respect Monday through Friday, nine to five. Right. That that things will happen. Um, I am very flexible in the time that I see patients because I know that it can be difficult for people to um, come to an office between nine and five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, if necessary, I see people in the evenings and also on weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so um, there's there's fluidity between work time and and other time. So you just basically kind of get rid of that barrier, that quote unquote forty hour week, nine to five. 
But I love what you said in the beginning of that, what you do to fill yourself back up again. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. And the other thing is having an amazing um, community of uh, connections mm-hmm. with other people who are um, working similar business yeah. models where yeah. um, we're creating a completely new um, way of working. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, we're cutting out layers of um, administration and bureaucracy. We're flattening down our mm-hmm. businesses and um, learning from each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that you like to cook. I love. Do it. you watch Food Network? Uh, sometimes I do. Yeah. Ever watch Beat Bobby Flay? Yeah. If you were up against. Bobby Flay right now, what would be your signature dish to beat Bobby Flay? Oh, man. <laughs> right now, I'm crazy about crispy kale. Crispy kale? <laughs> crispy kale. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if he's ever made crispy uh, kale. Crispy kale. Okay, so um, kale has been in season as a winter green, and it's one right. of those superfoods. And how many ways can you cook kale? Crispy kale. So I took the kale, and I tossed it with some olive oil, salt, and pepper, mm-hmm. and spread it out on a, a sheet pan and I put it in the oven at about 425 oh, degrees wow. Wow. and um, um, it cooked it right to the point where the edges are crispy but mm. the center still has some moisture so, to so it Kelly. yeah and, and it's it's like uh, it, it's addicting um, I made some the other night and my mm-hmm. husband said can I have a bowl to take this in so I can eat more while I watch TV wow, <laughs> That's a lot more healthy than what my signature dish would have been. <laughs> I, I challenge them with shrimp colichi. Oh! Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been to Marisco's Chihuahua? No. For those who are outside of Tucson, Marisco's Chihuahua is a phenomenal Mexican seafood place. And shrimp colichi is shrimp in a green sauce. Mm. But that green sauce not only has a lot of green chili and a little bit of jalapeno and some kind of like tomato sauce. It has a whole thing of like cream cheese in it too, mm. so it's phenomenal. But it's mm. really, really, you know, not good for you. Well, <laughs> there, there's no bad food. There is no not good for you. It's everything in moderation. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There's a yeah. place for cream right. cheese and cream and all yeah. that good stuff. Yeah, that's been my big thing this year. Has been moderation in what I'm eating, uh, smaller portions, and just being active every day. One of the things I often say is that nothing in itself is good or bad. Mm -hmm. It's what you think about it Mm -hmm. that makes it so. Mm -hmm. And so that gives us the opportunity to reframe things Mm -hmm. uh, and to find that balance, not only in work, but in life as well. Mm -hmm. And in what you're talking about, about how do you balance, how do you not burn out? Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, reframing, and that is gets back to what I said about gratitude. Right, I, I right. go back and I frame each day, each opportunity as um, a gift that um, is is going to be as uh, good as we can make it. Yeah, you know, you definitely um, not only talk to talk, but you walk to walk. On your website, there's that statement: holistic approach right. yes and that's one thing i've noticed from a short time we've known each other mm-hmm. and we've had you know a few conversations and now i'm learning even more that holistic approach is everything it's not just your approach 
with your profession, but how you take care of yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, um, intentionally spell holistic, um, technically wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I put a W in front of the holistic, the way it's, uh, it refers with an H holistic, um, to certain therapies, certain disciplines, Mm -hmm. And so I changed it because I'm not referring to a particular discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm referring to um, to to um, well-being as being a kind of wholeness with a W wholeness. Mm-hmm. So that um, whole with an H is a whole, where wholeness. Whole, whole, <laughs> wholeness my goal, a w is, my, my goal is, is trying to whole. get you to curse. I almost got you to curse there. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> um, and so, um, I, I intentionally do that. Um, not cursing, but living right. wholeheartedly. Um, the model for palliative care grew out of the model for hospice care, mm. and one of the um, the the uh, uh, paradigms for that is what Cicely Saunders called total pain, mm. and she said that the experience of suffering or illness. Um, has more dimensions other than just the physical. It's not just the physical diagnosis and the symptoms and your lab values. It is your social connection. It is your um, emotional life. It is your spirituality. Mm -hmm. And those things make you a whole person. And so that is why I intentionally spell holistic with a W. Yeah, it was about seven years ago, Holly. I don't know if I shared this when my dad passed away about seven years ago. Um, you know, unfortunately, he was misdiagnosed from the onset. Um, came in with two sore knees, and they said they, that he was experiencing uh, simultaneously torn meniscus on both knees. Um, it, it was a rare form of blood cancer wow. is what it was. Yeah. And his body kind of methodically broke down over mm-hmm. the next year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. But when you mention, you know, it's not just about the tests and the numbers and all that. I mean, spiritually, I mean, he was, and I don't know, but, uh, the, uh, he, he actually apologized to me like about a few days before he passed away because he wasn't the quote unquote father figure man. And I'm like, dude, even the strongest dude this last year and a half that I've ever met in my life, you know? Yeah. So I, I totally get that. I mean, that resonates with me kind of, he was more upset that he wasn't the guy, mm-hmm. the man. He mm-hmm. spent 20 plus years in the Air Force. So he was, mm-hmm. you know, that the provider, the husband, the mm-hmm. father. So I totally get that, yeah. that, that um, point. My practice extends to um, a, a person's, uh, loved ones and support system as yeah. well. I don't yeah. see people isolated as as one person. Mm-hmm. Um, part of palliative care, um, sometimes we'll do family meetings where um, mm-hmm. we get everybody together, see what everybody understands, what they want to know, um, hear where they're at with um, with the situation. So we include. Um, loved ones as well so Mm -hmm. it's not just a person in isolation 
uh, of, of everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not the kind of doctor that makes everybody sit in the waiting room. Um, the number of people who um, can join in on a visit, dep- it depends on the fire code, <laughs> how many people are allowed in the building, <laughs> who's going to sit on somebody's lap. But generally, um, you know, I, I, when a patient comes to see me, um, there's usually someone there who is the most important person in their life. Mm-hmm. They may be functioning as a caregiver mm-hmm. um, or they may be just functioning as a loved one. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's it's uh, extending the experience of, um, of of an illness to include your social connections, mm-hmm. your emotional life, and mm-hmm. your spirit. And and if you look at four domains um, as being twenty five percent each, the physical is only twenty five percent. Seventy five percent is the other stuff. Yeah. And so I work a lot in the realm of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see, how long do you see yourself doing this? Oh boy. Um, I, I say the same thing when someone asks me what I do. I, I Literally, I'm like, oh boy, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I guess when um, I'm satisfied that I've made a difference mm-hmm. in quality of life for people who are um, living with serious illness, who um, will travel from um, the diagnosis of a serious illness through end of life. And um, one of the things that bothers me is seeing people um, dying in ICUs. Mm -hmm. Nobody should die in an ICU. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only people who should be in ICUs are people who can get better. Yeah. If you have a problem that can't get better, um, ICU will only cause you suffering with benefit that's not proportionate yeah. to that amount of suffering. Yeah. And so um, I think that when I uh, when the conversation about this advances to um, Framing um, how we take care of people who um, can no longer um, be cured um, to have people dying um, the way they live, mm-hmm. um, making the best out of each day. And mm-hmm. so maybe when nobody's dying in ICUs, I don't know if I'm going to live that long. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm not going to be one of those people. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's when my, my my dad passed away, I was talking to my uncles, and, you know, the, that form of cancer he had is actually genetic. Mm-hmm. So maybe, that, you know, and it was my, when I was talking to my uncles, I said, there's no way that I'm going to fight or want to fight mm-hmm. as hard as my dad did. Mm-hmm. I'm just, mm-hmm. they both looked at me, they're like, no, that, mm-hmm. that's exactly what we think, but... You know, yeah. given in that situation, you probably well. You bring it. up an important point, yeah. and that yeah. has to do with advanced care planning mm-hmm. of um, having in writing um, what you want in regards to your health care. Should you be in a situation where you can't speak for yourself? Mm. Um, because when somebody is making um, decisions for another person, um, and they love that person and they don't want to lose that person 
sometimes their decisions are based on what they want rather mm-hmm. than what the patient wants. And so a living will is a document that describes um, what kind of care you would want if you were seriously ill, mm-hmm. um, what kind of care you want if it were a situation where you can't get better. And so when that's in place, the process becomes easier mm-hmm. because then the surrogate's decisions are made using substitute judgment to honor your values and what you want. Right. Right. And um, it, it's, it, it makes the decision-making process a little easier. It's still hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but having that in writing in an advanced directive in a living will um, it is a kindness and a gift. Everybody should have a living will. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. The other thing is who makes decisions for you if you're no longer able to make decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there is actually a law that says who that person should be. And in most situations, the person that the law says is your surrogate is the person that most people would pick, but not always. Um, Sometimes that person is, um, the relationship is such that that burden is too much for that person, Mm -hmm. Um, that, that they're not the best person to do that. For example, a spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the time the spouse is someone you would want Um, But some um, relationships, you wouldn't want to put that um, responsibility on the person who is your spouse. Um, Also, people who are in um, non-traditional relationships where you don't have a marriage license, um, it's important to identify the person you want making decisions with you because if you don't, um, the law will make a decision for you and you may have somebody making decisions for you that you don't want making decisions. So um, unfortunately not making a decision is a way of making a decision. Mm. So um, advanced directive, advanced care planning. And that's part of what I do in palliative care is helping people have those conversations to, um, to get their, their uh, preferences down on paper. Um, People say, isn't that morbid? Um, but we, um, we, we get insurance, we, we, right. we get car insurance, not because you um, are planning on getting in an accident. Mm-hmm. You hope that you'll never need to use your insurance, but it gives you peace of mind. And yeah. that's the purpose of advanced care planning yeah. is to give you some peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. So phenomenal information, Holly. I appreciate you coming by today. So if someone is interested in speaking with you, I mean, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, you can find me um, at, on my website, www.palliativecareconsult.com. That's two L's in palliative care. Palliative care with yep. two L's. And um, on the website, uh, there's a phone number. You can call me directly. It's 520-771-2686. And you can also send me emails. Um, I am a micro practice, a one person organization. Mm-hmm. And so um, I answer all the phone calls and all of the emails, and I look forward to hearing from you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Holly. And thank you for tuning in. If you want um, some, to provide some feedback to myself or Holly, you can always message, message me at my Facebook page, The Sean Campbell Show, and the same, The Sean Campbell Show on Instagram as well. Thank you, Holly. You're welcome. 
Thank you for listening to The Sean Campbell Show. Follow us on Instagram at The Sean Campbell Show.